0: the folks at home. And good morning to me. I'm watching myself here. Hey, uh, Pastor John is going to come up and uh, say a couple words to get us started. And then uh, we're going to continue whether you're in your jammies or whether you got dressed up and uh, you're joining us at home. I can see there's a lot of folks watching. So uh, Pastor John, why don't you come?
1: Thank you, Mike, and worship team. Good morning, Harmony, and uh, any visitors listening in who may be out there in uh, Cyberland this morning. Um, I hope you didn't think you got the wrong church when you saw the opening. That was not a political commentary as much as it was, don't shake hands. Yes? Yes? Yes. Yes, thank you very much. Just by way of comment as we do this, uh, it was March 12, 1933 when President FDR started broadcasting from high technology back then, that's called the radio, to the American people who were in a bit of a crisis called the Great Depression. He was trying to encourage them to uh, stay strong and find hope. And in a few minutes, we will confront our mini-viral apocalypse by encouraging us with the hope of God, and our own Dr. Ashley will be doing that, trying to point us in an upward direction. Let me just say today, though, I want to, by the way, say thank you to our worship team, our tech team, our pastoral staff, and everyone who made this happen today. We could actually function if we had to go underground, so praise the Lord for that. Continue worshiping with us. God bless you today.
0: A reading from First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How great the
2: chasm That lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven It spoke your name Into the night and through the dark
3: Savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ My living hope. Hallelujah Praise the one who set me free Hallelujah Death has lost its grip on me You have broken every chain their salvation in Your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope.
2: Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe out of the side. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning
3: that sealed the promise. Your very body began to ring out of the in every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my name.
0: Revelation five twelve through 13. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever.
3: Is all creation groaning? Is. is a new creation coming? It is. is the glory of the Lord to be the light? Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave he is david's fruit and the lamb who died to ransom the slave is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Does. is anyone worthy is anyone home? is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll the lion of judah who conquered the grave the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, He has made us a kingdom and praise the God to reign with His Son. Is He worthy?
2: praise the lord praise god in his sanctuary and praise him in his mighty expanse and praise him for his mighty deeds praise him according to his excellence
3: You give life, you are love. You bring light to the darkness. Yes, you give hope. Your breath In our lungs So we pour out A praise to you Oh, we You give life You are not you breathe. Bring- No Hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are You, Lord, and all the earth will shout Your words, Our hearts will cry. off the couch. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing praise. Your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to You only.
2: Hey, Father, we lift up Your name this morning. God, help us to see through the fear. Help us to stand solely on you. God, you are the sustainer of life. You are the healer. God, you have given so much so that we could could have this opportunity to, to be in this relationship with you. There is no God like you, there is no other thing like you. You're gracious, you're merciful, you are just. You are the forgiver. God, calm our hearts. Help us to stand strong as we face uncertainty, not just in the health area, but, God, in our everyday lives. Help us to look towards you. Help us to to see what you've created us for. Help us to stand in purpose. Help us to stand united, God, as we would be gospel bearers, that we would shine light in the darkness. God, that your name would be praised. Father, help us.
0: It's your breath.
3: It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise for al- Let's go.
2: our songs this morning, but more importantly, God, we offer up our hearts. God, those who are here this morning, those who are watching from home, God, I just pray that you would uh, extend blessing and protection over us, over them, over everyone, God, that uh, in times like this we would turn to you and we would not give in to fear. Uh, you've given us the power to overcome the evil one, and God, help us to stand in that. So we ask these things in your name. Amen. At this time, it's my pleasure to... Uh, call dr ashley to the podium to the
0: before we do that though we are going to actually stop the video so if you are tuned in on facebook live uh i see 77 unique accounts are tuned in that's wild um we're gonna cease that transmission and then start a new one for the message so don't go anywhere you're gonna get that notification momentarily join us thank you
2: kingdom kids
0: Kingdom kids are your responsibility.
4: And we're back. Thank you for coming back. I hope that uh, that was enough time for you to run out and get a refill on your coffee or your orange juice or uh, however you are tuning in this morning. Thank you so much for joining in this uh, remarkable new way. I have been thinking about this now for some time. We are at the point now where we are able to reach the entire world. Wherever there is an internet signal, the gospel message of Jesus Christ can be proclaimed. People are tuning in right here in our community and possibly uh, from all over the world. Welcome. I want to explain, first of all, why it's me and not Pastor John preaching this morning. Uh, Some of you might be thinking... um, just because some of us do think in the wrong direction sometimes. I'm preaching this morning because it was my turn. I was already scheduled to preach this morning. And uh, when we started to make these shifts and changes, we said, uh, we have to change some things, but we have to change everything. So uh, Pastor John said, uh, you, you stay in there. You're at You You stay there. You get three strikes. I've already taken two swings. I want to talk this morning about circumstances when things are beyond my control. Kelly and I, Kelly and I were supposed to be talking this morning uh, in the uh, Strengthen uh, Conference to Encourage Relationships. Uh, Two weeks ago, two weeks ago on Sunday night prayer meeting, uh, Kelly shared in that prayer group uh, a request that that the group Pray for Kelly and I, uh, as we were trying to make preparations for that conference, um, she discerned that the enemy, the adversary, was trying to interfere. That maybe he was afraid of what was going to happen if we were able to have that in strengthened conference without interference. And and so God's people went to work and started praying that God would uh, build a hedge of protection around us and that uh, would not allow Satan's interference in our preparation for the strength and conference. Well, apparently, uh, he had to go wider in his resistance. Kelly was gonna get up and say that this morning, but she chickened out, so she made me say it in her place. But that would have been funny if she had said it. Not so much since I did, obviously. But they're laughing in the internet, I can tell. Things beyond my control, what to do about them. Today happens to be the 15th of March, and I threw this slide up there for any uh, English literature lovers out there who remember William Shakespeare's play about Julius Caesar. Uh, where the Ides of March? It was the 15th of March in whatever year that uh, Julius Caesar was assassinated, and uh, I remember reading that play uh, when I was back in high school, and I've always remembered the Ides of March, March 15th. has nothing to do with uh, what's going on today, I'm sure, but it is, after all, the Ides of March. And uh, somebody this week warned us this is going to be a crazy week, because it was a full moon, and it had a Friday the 13th in it. Now, I don't care about any of those things. Actually, Friday the 13th has always been a lucky day for me because that was the day my wife was born. She was born on a Friday the 13th. That makes that a pretty special day. Uh, I want to talk this morning about the seasons that come and the seasons that go, and we're in one of them right now. We are transitioning between winter and spring, And it's been really a marvelous winter. Four winters in northern Maine pretty much ruined me for winter. So this has been my favorite winter so far. And uh, we're right now on the threshold of spring. And the temperature has been capricious. The weather has been teasing us with some really unexpectedly warm days and then some cold and blustery windy days. The seasons come and the seasons go, but none of it is random. None of it is random. What's happening here today in this place and around us is not random, uh, It seems that way to us, unpredictable in many ways to us. We could not control what was happening around us. Uh, Kelly and I were preparing for a conference earlier in the week. We realized that conference would have to be rescheduled. And then uh, toward the end of the week, we we realized we're going to have to make some changes about how we were going to gather this morning for worship. And it's just marvelous how everybody has jumped in to say, hey, we could do this. We could do that. Uh, Bob Nywenning, if I can call his name out, was already planning this morning to live stream on Facebook. We were going to launch this as a pilot to see how it would work. That was already planned. Little did we know that that would be, become our main effort. And I hope you're enjoying it. And if you are, I hope that uh, if you're watching on Facebook at home or wherever, wherever you happen to be, I hope that you have interacted in some way you're not here this morning to amen and encourage us as we're going but if you amen uh, with a quick text uh, comment in that field you'll encourage everybody else who is also listening in and later on when we can review this I'll say oh I said something somebody liked if in fact I ever do. There's this wonderful scripture in Ecclesiastes 3 that came to my mind, and I'm going to read through it. Um, I know you're going to want to sing. I know you're going to want to sing as we start reading this song, but resist the temptation because I didn't have time to cue up the music. But Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1, there is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart. A time to sew together. A time to be silent. And a time to speak. I want to reemphasize one of those lines that I just read, so I added the slide back in with some extra emphasis. Verse 5, I just read it. I'm going to read it again. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to shun embracing. See, even our policy about no handshakes, that's in the Bible. Somebody's trying to get your attention, Bob. Somebody in the back is trying to get your attention. All right, we're trying to get this worked out. Do you need me to shift? Do you need me to move? I'm okay, I'm keep going. I'm going to keep going and let you guys do your thing. Uh, We're not not supposed to be shaking hands uh, right now. It's just simple common sense. If there's anything that I can do to prevent the exponential growth of a nasty virus or a germ. Doesn't it make sense to wash your hands? Uh, This is not alarmist. This is not um, public abuse or control. It's just good judgment. In fact, a little bit later on, I'm going to share with you something that somebody else said about it a long time ago, startlingly accurate. Continuing in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in verse 8, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. He has set eternity in their hearts. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Solomon, in writing these words, concludes this way, verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it. There is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. God has so worked that men should fear him. Reading through the Old Testament prophets, there is a particular expression, a particular phrase that stands out to me. As I, as I read through from time to time, I read through, I come to these passages in the Old Testament prophets Um, the major prophets, the minor prophets. uh, Some of them are really fascinating. Some of them are really puzzling. But there is a phrase, a particular phrase that stands out. God says, I will do this, I will do that. And then he says, then they will know that I am the Lord God. I will do this, I will do that. And then you will know that I am the Lord God. It's not there, and I'm not assuming to add to the scripture. That would be dangerous. But the thought is completed in my mind when God says, Then you will know that I am the Lord. I hear him saying to me, and you are not. Stay in your lane. We make plans, even when the plans are good and there's nothing evil or immoral or sinful or unprofitable about them. Sometimes we make plans and they don't go the way we think they will. These quick verses from Proverbs came to my mind earlier this week. As, as I was in my mind adjusting from what I was planning to speak about this morning to what I am speaking about this morning, it occurred to me that I had a plan and things happened that made it prudent to change the plan proverbs sixteen one the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the lord proverbs twenty one one the king 's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. he turns it wherever he wishes, even even the plans of the king are subject to the lord 's overriding and You could prepare the horse for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. I may have these well-formed and honorable plans, but so does God. Here's an example from Acts chapter 16. Uh, Starting in verse 4 of Acts chapter 16. This is a familiar story. I'm sure, to many of you. Uh, notice, I have I have added some emphasis uh, in the slides. I didn't add any words or take any words away. Just added some emphasis, just to, just to pull them out uh, as we read through them. Uh, now while they, that's Paul and his uh, companions on their missionary journey, described in Acts 16. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were de- delivering the decrees which had been decided upon, By the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem, that um, Jerusalem council described in the previous chapter of Acts, Acts 15. And uh, so Paul and his uh, companions went back through, visited some of the churches they had already established, and uh, continued to preach the counsel of God and to bring this wisdom from uh, that council in Jerusalem. Verse 5, so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. That sounds like a good thing. And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region. And then we note, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They, they bypassed some areas where they were traveling. Somehow the Holy Spirit had forbidden them to speak Uh, in that part of the world. Verse 7, after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Don't know how. how How does the Holy Spirit shut that down? I don't know. Roadblock? Police line do not cross? I don't know. But in some discernible way, the Spirit of God made it clear to Paul and his crew, don't go there. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Early this week in our teacher devotions before school, uh, we had a last-minute change, kind of uh, standard for the week, a last-minute change, and the person who was scheduled to lead the morning devotion wasn't there, and so someone else stepped up and uh, filled in. And uh, this this teacher opened the Bible to Acts 16 and uh, read this passage in teacher devotions, planting the idea in my head. This was already there in my head recently, so that when it was time for me to realize Kelly and I had been prevented from doing the Strengthen Conference that we had planned, that, okay, that's clear. That, that's God saying, no, we're not going this way. It doesn't mean your plan was bad. That conference is going to be rescheduled. We are going to still do that, God willing. It's not that the plan was bad. It's that God had another plan to put in its place. Somehow, according to one of my favorite verses and probably yours, Romans 8.28, we know that God causes all things to work for the good, to work together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. Those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I love God. I want to, I'm trying to. I was assisted this morning by some wonderful worship music to express what's in my heart to God. It was fantastic to be reminded by worshiping in this particular way this morning Uh, that it's never about how many people are in the chairs out here. It's about the greatness of the one to whom we are singing that makes the worship come alive. I don't know if you could determine. I don't know if you could sense that from at home. But in this room this morning, with a a mostly uh, empty room, Quite literally, right now this morning, I am actually preaching to the choir. <laughs> awesome. To be honest, I have preached to smaller crowds, so I, <laughs> I will say that. But there's at least 80, we saw at one point the number was 80 people watching online. That number may have gone up or may have gone down by now when the sermon started, people... Um, may have said, let's double down and invite everybody. I don't know what might have happened. We'll find out later. God has a plan, and he doesn't ask me for suggestions. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was a suggestion box? I mean, we have a box with a slot, and it looks like a suggestion box in the back of the church. Wouldn't it be great if God said, hey, if you have a suggestion for I should run things, write it down on a piece of paper, drop it in here, We do that anyway. Many of our prayers, I suspect, really are worded in the form of suggestions to God how we think He might do things more efficiently. That sounds wrong. I'd like to illustrate um, this idea of when we think we understand what God's doing and it turns out we don't. Kelly and I have a story. I love to tell this story. Uh, we, we remind ourselves of this story regularly now, but it goes back to 1994 when I was in my second of three years in seminary uh, outside of Philadelphia. We were living uh, in a house in Aston, Pennsylvania, and uh, I was uh, on staff at a First Baptist Church of Aston, and they had a Christian school, coincidentally, and both Kelly and I were working in the Christian school and uh, looking to see what God had next for us. And I was at the end of my second year, starting my third year, and um, starting to think about where God was going to put us after we finished this period of training in seminary. We knew that we wanted to move back to New York uh, we had just spent four years in Germany and two years in Philadelphia. And uh, all of our family uh, was still living in New York and uh, we, were, we were feeling the draw to come home. And uh, we were hoping, and so that's where we were focusing our search. And uh, in the spring of that year, early spring of that year, uh, I was uh, invited to preach in four different churches around the state of New York, all of them looking for a new pastor and uh, We started to look at each one of these four churches uh, i hadn 't been invited to candidate at any of them yet just just a first guest speaker, kind of a um, blind date, check each other out, see if there 's an, an affinity, a match and um, We were excited about that. We knew that probably one of these four communities was going to become our new home. Just didn't know which one yet. And uh, one of them was a church in Carthage, New York. Now, this happens to be a sister church of ours, a church in the Conservative Baptist Association, now Mission Northeast, the family of churches that we also belong to. Uh, It was a newer church, a church plant that had been planted uh, just a few years earlier around the time that Camp Drum, an army post in northern New York, became Fort Drum. And uh, there was a huge buildup. The 10th Mountain Division was stationed there and they began to build up the surrounding community and uh, move uh, PCS, permanent change of station. People were being moved to northern New York Uh, The 10th Mountain Division was specializing in winter warfare. And if you're going to train for winter warfare, you want to go where there's a lot of snow in northern New York on Tug Hill and where Kelly's brother still lives. That's the place. And uh, this church, North Country Fellowship, had been planted uh, to minister to that growing community of young military families. And uh, the church had been established and the founding pastor, now was being called away to do something else, and they were looking for their next pastor. And Kelly and I were uh, looking at that situation and lining that up with our own experience. I was recently discharged from the Army. We'd spent four, five years in the military, four years in Berlin. We loved that military. Had, I had spent the last year working with the chaplains uh, in the Army, and now I was in seminary, nearing the end of my seminary, And Kelly and I were thinking, oh my goodness, this is it. This is where God is going to put us. Look at how everything fits so neatly. Isn't God magnificent in his sovereignty, how he puts things in place in just the right way? And as we were having this discussion over a period of days, uh, we had a snowstorm in the Area And I went out to shovel the driveway, shovel the sidewalk. Um, I might have had a bad day at church, a bad day at school, and that was often how I blew off steam. Uh, i take it out on the driveway with an ice chopper and snow shovel. And so I wasn't just shoveling my driveway. I was still mad about something, so I shoveled the whole sidewalk, and I was still feeling mad, and so I started shoveling the street i 'm not kidding, as I was shoveling the street, I found a small lapel button that's what, that 's what that image is it 's a small lapel button, and this small lapel button, like you might buy um, for a quarter at a souvenir shop, it was probably worth a fifth of a penny actually, but you could buy them for a quarter and pin them on your hat or your or your coat or whatever. Uh, I found this in the, in the uh, gutter, the, along the curb in the street where we were living, 350 miles south of Carthage, New York. I found a lapel button in front of my house that said Carthage, New York on it. Suddenly I stopped shoveling and I brought this into the house And I said to Kelly, I showed her the button and I said to her, look, this is a sign. This is a a confirming sign, a confirming testimony. God put it there for us. How else could it have gotten there? And I was so sure after after God gave us this confirming sign, I was so sure that, we, that Carthage, New York was going to be our next home, that I was going to be the next pastor at the North Country Fellowship. They were actually the second uh, church that we were lined up to speak at, and uh, just a few weeks later, our tour began, and we preached at a church outside of Utica, New York, and That was an interesting church that was meeting in a converted motel. The uh, lobby and restaurant area of the motel was the worship center and some of the motel rooms had been converted into offices and classrooms. It was quite an interesting arrangement that they had made there. We had a nice Sunday there, uh, but we didn't feel like that was where God wanted us. And we knew that Carthage was still ahead of us. It was actually our next stop. And so... I knew that I was going to Carthage, and I had two, two other churches to preach at in the following two Sundays, and part of me was saying, why don't I just go ahead and cancel those other two churches, because I had this sign that, that God was going to have me in Carthage. And so we looked forward to it all week. We took the kids and uh, got them in the car, drove the 350 miles from our house in Pennsylvania up to Carthage, New York, and we got there on a early Sunday morning and we started to meet the people and get ready for the worship service and we went through that worship service and I preached and we talked afterwards with the uh, pulpit committee and uh, when Kelly and I left there we looked at at one another and we said this isn't it we both knew (laughs) hey (laughs) This was not the sign we thought it was. There was no affinity. There was no fit. There was nothing wrong with the church. It continues to this day. The youth pastor actually became the next senior pastor and uh, did well. I'm not sure right now if he's still there, but he was there for a very long time. Might still be there. I haven't, haven't uh, noticed lately. But uh, that was an important lesson to me that sometimes when I think I know what God is doing, uh, I'm almost certainly wrong. When I think I have figured out God's next move, I'm wrong. Uh, I happen to think that God loves surprises. I don't have... uh, I don't have a strong theological foundation for that, so I'm going to hold that as a personal notion. But I do think that God loves to surprise us, especially with the delightful surprises that mean so much to us when they happen. Why am I telling you this story? Well, I'm telling you this story to remind you of this certain fact change happens. It doesn't matter whether I want it or not. It doesn't matter whether I like it or not. Uncertainty in life is certain. Uncertainty is certain. My response to that is where my faith is tested and where my maturity is measured. When everything is going the way I want it to go, my faith, though present, is not out front. And when everything is going the way I wanted to go, I have no idea how i 'm doing every Every so often as a teacher, I uh, give my students tests, quizzes, tests, assignments to measure their progress, to measure how well are they learning, how well are they understanding, how well are they comprehending what it is that I've been teaching to them or trying to teach to them. Those tests are important. They're important tools to measure the effectiveness of the teaching and the effectiveness of the learning. And my faith, in order to be tested, needs to be stretched, needs to be pulled, needs to be challenged. So when these certain uncertainties that arise in my life present me, when they arise, they present me with this choice. And uh, this is where many of us are in this season. We are making the choice between Fearing the unknown that lies ahead or trusting the unseen one who has made us certain promises. It's not always as easy as it ought to be to make this change. We made some changes in how we're worshiping this morning, and I'm confident that we did not make these changes because we are afraid. Church leadership, I believe, wisely prayed and discussed and determined this was the prudent choice to make and then worked very hard to accommodate the fallout of that choice, of that decision. Not because we're afraid. Not because we are afraid of you. We did not tell our church family to stay home today because we're afraid of you. We asked you to stay home today because it seemed the right, the sensible, the prudent Thing to do when I was in northern Maine I don't talk about this a lot when I was in northern Maine maybe I do talk about it a lot I guess you'll decide if I talk about it a lot or not it doesn't seem to me like I do but maybe I do uh, we we were in a, a downtown church right in the middle of town directly across from the post office uh, and uh, there was a certain ethos In that church, every church has an ethos. Pastor John has talked to us about our ethos and ways in which our ethos needs to grow, needs to change. This uh, church in Northern Maine had this ethos, we never close. Uh, Other churches that are located outside of town on on, uh, secondary roads, if we have a heavy snowstorm, which in Northern Maine is certain, Uh, often had to make the choice if the snow fell Saturday night into Sunday morning or is still falling Sunday morning, many churches in that area, even as we see it here in our area, make the choice to close. Our church had an ethos, we never close. People who drive to church might choose to stay home, we tell people, exercise good judgment, but if you're in town or if you are, as as I was, within walking distance of of the church, we expect you to be here. We're going to open the doors. There was a problem with that ethos because there are some people still today who operate with the assumption, if the doors of the church are open, I must be there. Even if we say, Exercise good judgment. If it's not safe for you to come out on the roads, don't come out on the roads. And while they might not go into Walmart and do their shopping, while they might not go to the uh, Andy's IGA or, or um, the other grocery store in town to, to do their grocery shopping, they will come out to go to church because I'm doing it for the Lord. And therefore, if the doors are open, I should be there. And uh, the ethos in that church needed to be tweaked. There was a Sunday when it wasn't just snow, but ice. And it wasn't even safe to walk from my apartment a block and a half away to the church door. And so I said to the church president, Reputation or no reputation, we are closing today. People will come if we don't. People may get hurt if we don't prevent something bad from happening. Now, it's possible, it's possible churches across the country could meet today and nobody could be harmed. That's certainly possible. that we are not meeting together this morning may never be determined to have made a difference in preventing anyone from getting sick. We may never be able to look at a statistic that says, you made the right call. We may never feel that we have enough evidence to justify the decision that the, that the elders and the pastor made. Doesn't matter you made the right call. You made the right call. You acted and demonstrated clearly to our congregation and to me and to my wife, you put the best interest of our health and safety first. And so I say to Pastor John and I say to all the elders, thank you for being courageous enough to make a hard decision in the best interest of your people. Thank you for doing that. You made the right call. You chose trust. Even though, in this case, trust looked like Staying home. Here's a life hack. We had we had some church hacks at the beginning of the service. Here's a life hack. When faced with the choice between the fear of the unknown and trust of the living, loving God, choose trust. I didn't make this up. Moses said it. He said it to the people, uh, recorded in Deuteronomy, before he exited stage left. And was replaced as leader by Joshua. He said, I set before you today two choices. Life and blessing. Death and cursing. I tell you, choose life. Great message. When faced with the choice between fearing the unknown. And trust of the living, loving God. Choose trust. Because God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Some translations put that fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. 1 John 4.18 reminds us, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Just this morning... My, one of my two daughters-in-law uh, shared this post on Facebook, and I, I saw it early this morning, and I, and I did uh, as, as good a job as I could in the time I had to fact-check, to see if this is a, a, a genuine, legitimate quote. And I believe, based on what I was able to check, that the, the quote I'm going to share with you, attributed to Martin Luther, is authentic. Uh, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, was talking about the Black Plague. People in his community in Western Europe and all over Europe were dying of this plague. Martin Luther wrote a long. Uh, letter, an essay about it. Uh, That was part of my discovery in fact-checking this morning. I do not have this publication, but I found access to it. Uh, This this that I'm going to share with you, that I'm sharing with you, comes from the Annotated Luther, Volume 4, Pastoral Writings. He said this, this is an excerpt of a long essay. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us, and then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others. And so, caused their death as a result of my negligence. 500 years ago, he's issuing a public health statement, very much like the one we're trying to follow today, isn't it? If God, he goes on, if God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. I don't know that I could have found any way to say that any better than that. (laughs) I just want to remind myself, and you're free to listen in, I want to remind myself of five things about God. It's astonishing to me because uh, as we were getting ready to start worship this morning, we had a little prayer time And uh, one of those praying prayed this. And I said, oh, God, you did it again. You have confirmed what you told me by telling it to another person who shared it out loud. God is not surprised. It was Ben who prayed that. God is not surprised by anything that we're facing. Uh, Psalm 139.16, I could could have found dozens, dozens of texts in God's Word to uh, underline these five simple statements that I'm reminding myself of this morning. I just chose one each. Psalm 139.16, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Every page in the diary of my life, God read before I ever picked up a pen to write in it. God is not surprised by anything. God never says, oops, didn't see that one coming. God does not have a plan B. We are still in the original plan, and it will succeed. God is not surprised. God is good. Amen? Uh, If you agree, put a comment online. God is good all the time. Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness to all generations. God is good. God is not surprised. God is good. God is faithful. God is faithful. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And I think we can safely add in that the evil one and anything he uses to try to harm or disrupt God's work and God's people. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you. Fourth, God is not only not surprised. He is not only good. He is not only faithful. God is powerful. Powerful enough. Psalm 147.5 Great is our Lord. Abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. God is able. A children's song. It's running through my head right now. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the captive free. He makes the lame to walk again. He caused the blind to see. He's able. Finally, finally, God is not only not surprised, God is not only good, he is not only faithful, he is not only powerful, God is for me. And he is for you. Can I just ask you, uh, here in the room, uh, the choir, and wherever you are at home, would you just repeat those words, God is for me. God is for me. You're sitting on the couch, turn to whoever's sitting next to you, husband, wife, child, stranger. What is the stranger doing on your couch? Listening to, ch- listening to church, good for you. God is for you. Romans 8.31, of course you knew I was going to read this verse. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who is against us. No one of consequence. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord, we've done it. We have held a church to an almost empty room on purpose. We boldly told people to stay home, not because we're afraid of them, not because we're afraid of what we might do to them or they to us, but because it was the right thing to do to make sure that we've done all we can do to watch over your flock. Thank you for the pastor and the elders who exercised loving, watchful care over this flock this week. There would be an expense to this. Financial people might be thinking, we're going to lose a lot of money by not having church. It's the wrong way to think. We understand that. And even those who do think that way understand that's not the way that we're going to make these decisions. There might be other unexpected, unintended consequences or costs for this bold action, but we are not afraid for what doing the right thing might result in. As best as we know it, as best as we have been able to, Lord, we have done all that we have done today and this week for your honor, for your glory, in obedience to your Holy Spirit leading and directing. We affirm that we are not afraid but we are trusting in you. We affirm, Lord, that you are indeed not surprised by what's going on. You are definitely a good, loving, caring God, powerful and mighty to save, faithful in all of your actions, and thankfully you are because you have chosen to be for us. And not against us. Encourage us through this day and this week. Help us to look around to see if there is a neighbor. Who is in need of my help. And if there is. To offer to help. To be willing to help in any way that we can. Whatever our hand finds to do Lord. May we do it as unto you, with all of our might and for your glory. And we give you thanks for all of those who have had a part in helping us to do what we have done here this morning. Thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Thank you for those in the room to help for helping us to do what we're doing. Uh, we'll do it even better next week. We'll have seven days to get ready Help us by telling us what we did well and what we didn't do well. You'll help us a great deal if you do that. Thank you, and God bless you. Be safe.